morning, church. So good to have you with us online this morning. What a privilege it is to be with you, to open up God's Word again, hear what He has to say to us. There is a scene in the movie The Lion King where Mufasa says to his son Simba, remember who you are. Now, Mufasa died when Simba was young. Many of you will know the story. But he appears in the sky when he's older to bring him some words of wisdom. At the very end, as he's disappearing into the sky among the clouds and the stars, and Simba is chasing after him, longing for him to stay, to keep speaking with him, Mufasa says, remember, remember who you are, remember. And every time I read that word in the Bible, that scene comes to mind. I don't know if God sounds like Mufasa the lion, but that is the image that comes whenever I read the word remember. And God says to remember a lot in his word. In fact, in Deuteronomy, there is a specific thing that he wants his people to remember. Let me read a couple of verses to you. In Deuteronomy 5.15, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Deuteronomy 7.18, You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Deuteronomy 16.12, sorry, Deuteronomy 15.15, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Deuteronomy 16.12, You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. Deuteronomy 24.18, But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. And finally, Deuteronomy 24, 22, you shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. It's pretty clear what God wanted his people to remember. And it was at this point that the Israelites were on the very verge of entering the promised land. 40 years before, God had rescued them from the slavery of Pharaoh and Egypt. But for four decades, they had been traveling around the desert, wondering, wondering if God was going to fulfill his promise. He had fed them with manna from heaven to provide for them, carried them through. And now they were on the very verge of stepping into the land of milk and honey, a place where they would finally be safe. They could finally settle. They could raise up their families without fear of who was going to attack them. This was the promise that they had been waiting for. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, God is laying out his commands of how his people are to live now that they have reached the promised land. And as Ben and Amy said, today is Compassion Sunday. And this is a wonderful opportunity to remind ourselves of God's heart for the poor and respond. And so there's a particular passage and a particular command in Deuteronomy that I want to spend a bit of time with you on today to understand what is God's heart for the poor and why does he command us to follow in his footsteps. So if you've got your Bible with you or the Bible app on your phone, open up to Deuteronomy 
chapter 24, verse 19, or you can follow on on the screen. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. In just this short paragraph, Moses mentions the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow three times. And throughout the Bible, these were known as the trio of the vulnerable, They were the most vulnerable people groups, particularly at that time. Vulnerable to abuse, vulnerable to exploitation, vulnerable to all the forces of being robbed or not taken care of. They were the ones who needed protection. And even today, women, children and refugees are a lot more vulnerable to abuse. And so God is wanting to call out and care for these vulnerable people. Embedded in the very fabric of society is this command to consider the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. From the outset, God is saying this is not an optional extra. This is not a peripheral thing to your faith. This is not when you've got excess or you're just feeling particularly generous. At the very core of God's heart is a desire to care for the vulnerable. And God could have reached out and provided for these people in the same way that he provided for the Israelites for 40 years. He could have given them manna from heaven. But instead, he chooses to work through his people. He says, don't go back. Leave that for the foreigner. Leave that for the fatherless. Leave that for the vulnerable. They need your excess. Care for the poor. And God provides two reasons as to why he's calling his people to have a heart for the vulnerable. The first one is in verse 19. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf You shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And here's the reason. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Give to the poor that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now this goes against every single business textbook that I have ever read. If you were to study an MBA, they would say, maximize your outputs, maximize your profits. Squeeze out as many products as you can so you can increase your revenue. And I've said it before, but so often we hold our wealth and our assets and our money with a tight fist. We think, I just need to hold it close. I need to protect it so that I have enough money to retire. And there's nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. But God in this passage is saying, unclench your fist. Because when you do, then I can bless you. If you hold your hand away from the poor, then I can't fill you with my goodness. I can't bless you in all the work of your hand. It's only when you open up your hand to the poor. Unclench your fist that God can bless that hand. 
See, if God can provide for his people for 40 years wandering in the desert, even bringing bread and meat from heaven, then he can look after you. Just as he feeds the birds and dresses the flowers, he can provide for you. And giving, the poor, giving to the poor is not a ticket to financial wealth, but it's an acknowledgement that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that everything is his, that he can provide for our every need. And we do not need to fear. We don't need to go back. We can set aside things for the poor because we serve the God who created the world by a word, who said, let there be light and there was light. So we can trust him. We can unpry our fingers and open our hand to him and say, guide me, God. How am I to do with what you have given me? Sometimes people refer to a self-made millionaire or billionaire But there's no such thing as self-made. No one pushed themselves out of the womb and arranged lessons to learn how to read. We are all dependent on someone and ultimately all dependent on God. And so he says to his people, open out your hand to the poor that I may pour into it with my generosity. But the second reason that God commands his people to care for the poor is found in verse 22. He says, you shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Now, the first reason makes sense. Be generous so that God can be generous to you. But what is he saying? Remember that you are a slave. What does that got, what does that got to do with leaving some wheat or olives or grapes for the poor in your vineyard? And what God is saying to his people is that when they look at the poor, He doesn't want them to look at them as less than them, but as one of them. He wants them to remember you were the ones who were oppressed. You were the ones who were vulnerable. You were the ones without a land. You were the ones that were poor. So open up your heart knowing what you have been given. Give not because it's a command, but because you know the gifts that you have been given. Many of you will know the story of a man named Richmond Wandera. He was a former Compassion-sponsored child. And he tells the story of the day that his entire world changed. Some men came to his family and they told his mother and his brothers and his sisters that their father had been killed. He'd been murdered. He was a lawyer. His father was a lawyer, so they lived a comfortable life. But on that day, they were kicked out of their home. And with nowhere else to go, they went to one of the worst slums in Kampala, Uganda. Richmond says that that night, they spent the evening, they spent the whole night standing. It was raining and there were cracks in the roof. So he, his mother and all of his brothers and sisters could do nothing but stand as the floor flooded beneath them. He said the slum was full of abuse and exploitation, crime, prostitution, and things that a little boy should never be witness to. And all of a within a moment, he was thrust into that world of poverty and vulnerability. He said a few years later, there was another day where another man came with news to their home. But this time, it wasn't to take away all of their hope, but to bring it. It was a pastor of the local church who had a compassion center next to the slum and he said, Richmond, 
Today you have a sponsor. A teenage girl named Heather had decided to sponsor this little Ugandan boy that she'd seen on a table. And he said from that moment his life changed. He was able to go back to school. His family didn't have to worry if there was going to be food on the table. They could be kept safe and protected. They were able to be moved into another home. Richmond went on to complete schooling and then he was supported to go and study a bachelor's degree in America. He then went on to get a master's and then a PhD in the UK. But Richmond knew that he had to come back to Uganda. He knew that that was his call. He knew the gift that he had been given and he wanted to pass that on. And so he came back and he set up what's called the Pastors Discipleship Network. And over the last 10 years, Richmond has been training up over 5,000 pastors across Africa. And if you can think about the ripple effect of that one decision that that teenager Heather made, she invested in the life of a little boy named Richmond. He is now investing in an organization that is training up and equipping 5,000 pastors to preach the gospel all across Africa. Think about the multiplication of those men and women as they go, being trained up from the word to go and invest in their communities and share the hope of Jesus. Richmond was in Australia before COVID broke out and I remember chatting with him and he said, I always go back to the slum that I grew up in. By what only could be the grace of God, he is now the senior pastor of the church of the Compassion Centre that he grew up in. But he said, I always return to that slum because I want to look at the faces of the little boys and girls in that slum. He said, because I recognise me. I see and I remember what it's like to have no hope, to have your dreams taken away, to not know where your next meal is coming on. And he said, that's what I need to keep going, to keep giving, to keep investing, to keep pouring out myself for those in need. And although many of us wouldn't have grown up in physical poverty, we have all been poor. We have all been cut off from God in a spiritual sense. We have all been oppressed and vulnerable. We have all been in a pit needing to be rescued. Ephesians 2 says, Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, God was reminding the Israelites to remember that they were slaves. And we weren't slaves under the hand of Pharaoh or Egypt, but we've all been slaves to sin. We didn't walk through the Red Sea on dry land, but we have walked through storms and waves and struggles on the dry land of God's promises. God hasn't fed us manna coming down from heaven, but he has fed us with his peace and his hope in our wandering and our worry. We too need to remember that we have been set free. One of the amazing things about the story of the Good Samaritan is that we might sometimes be the Levite. We might sometimes be the Pharisee. Sometimes we might even be the Good Samaritan. But we've all been the man on the side of the road. 
We've all been the one without God in this world, without hope. Worshipping the idols of wealth and self, chasing and pursuing happiness but never getting there. We've all needed God to rescue us. And it was Jesus that came along and picked us up and put us on his donkey. And it wasn't two gold coins that he had to pay to the innkeeper. It cost him his life for him to redeem us. And so now I want to encourage you to give because of you of what you have been given. I don't want you to sponsor a child or to give to compassion because you feel guilty or out of compulsion. I want you to give out of the magnitude of what has been given to you. So we're going to cut off to a video right now and then I'm going to come back out and give you some ways that you can respond. The last 10 years, the number of people living in poverty has consistently decreased. And then last year, as we all know, COVID came along. And for the first time since 1998, the number of people being thrust below the poverty line radically increased. We got set back 10 years of gains. And so what's happened is that the pandemic doesn't discriminate, but it disproportionately impacts the poor. So more and more people have been thrust below the poverty line, but at the same time, Compassion uses opportunities like concerts and conferences and church services to give people the opportunity to sponsor. And so as more people have been lifted into, has been gone into poverty, we've had less opportunity to help them. And it's left us with a gap. And for Compassion, that gap is 175,000 unsponsored children. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about what can I set aside for the poor? If you've been moved to sponsor this morning, we're going to put a link on the chat that you can click on that has some children from our partner churches over in the Philippines. We also have some children on that link that uh, only have a couple of years, one or two years left in the program, but they were cancelled by their sponsors during COVID. And so we really want to see them got a sponsor to finish out the program well. And then another way that you can give is by giving a one-off donation. You can go onto the City Church website through the Missions Giving and just mark it as compassion. And we're going to give a project gift to one of our partner churches over in the Philippines to help them during this challenging time. I want to thank you so much, City Church. You are a generous church. I want to thank you again for giving because of what you have been given. So I implore you to consider sponsoring a child, consider giving a one-off gift. And as we finish our time together, I want to go back to the reason that we're here, that we've all been set free from slavery. We're no longer under the oppression of sin. And that's because of Jesus. We give because of what we have been given, but I want to give you an opportunity today. Maybe you haven't yet received that gift. Maybe you haven't yet invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe you're still in that pit and you need him to come and lift you out, put your feet on a rock and give you a new song. So if that's you this morning, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you are and pray this prayer for me, with me and invite Jesus into your heart. Dear God, I thank you that you have saved us. This morning, I want to invite you into my heart. 
I want to stop chasing all the other idols that have oppressed me in my life. I want to follow you. I believe with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I want to follow him today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can watch if the you screen are new or have made a decision to follow Jesus, we'd love for you to head to our website, citychurchau.com. Scroll down to the I'm new or follow Jesus tab. Once you click on that, a form will appear. Fill out your name, your email and a message and send it off. Once we get this, one of our staff will contact you about the decision you have made and how to best follow you up from here.